Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedoms only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. Uh, these stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. 
She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Have you ever heard of World War Zero? It's, it exists. It exists. And you're about to find out about it today. It's going to be an awesome Thursday on the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. We have Steve Dace coming up second hour. He wrote an anti-Fauci book, and it's number one right now on all the book sites. He's just killing it. Absolutely killing it. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. The weeks are heavy enough. On Fridays, we screw off on this show. I know we have a bunch of new listeners. Here's how it works before I go into the story. You know that politics isn't exactly a bright and sunny topic right now. Obviously, we make it as fun as we can just because I refuse to be a miserable human being. But it sucks right now. All week long, we're going to talk about taxes and spending and culture wars and stuff like that and all those things. And you know, look, how willing am I to tackle the tough issues? But on Friday, the entire show, I think I only have one guest, sometimes zero guests on Friday. The entire show, I answer listener questions, either live phone calls or voicemails or emails, and they do not have to be political. I use my almost three years of community college credits to pretend to be a doctor, and I answer history questions and, and, and food questions and questions about boys and questions about girls and, and, and travel questions, whatever you can imagine, idiotic doomsday scenarios, animal fights, you name it, I answer them on Fridays, and that is tomorrow. If you haven't yet had the pleasure, tune in for that one. It's going to be a real good time. Now, World War Zero. That's what they called the Russo-Japanese War, a war 90% of the people have never even heard of before. It was a Russian versus Japan war, as you may have guessed from the name, the Russo-Japanese War. They frankly did not put a lot of time into that label, but it is what it is. This was early 1900s, 1904 to be specific, but it, that doesn't matter. No one remembers that stuff. Early 1900s. And we have to do a brief setup on each country before we can possibly go into the war. Let's start with Russia first. 
This is not like the Russia you think of today. This was a Russia where a czar ran things and had pretty much always run things since Russia had been unified and came into existence. And this was the back end, a few hundred years of this same family running things in Russia. And to say he wasn't doing a good job would really, really be putting it mildly. In his defense, this is Tsar Nicholas II, and he didn't ever want the job and openly said he didn't want the job, which sounds weird because who doesn't want to be king? But I will say this, and and it's easy for me to say because I'm not one of the Russian people who was brutally put down in one of his, you know, protest stompings. But he seems like kind of a good dude. Loves his family, loves his kids, loves his wife. Just kind of a good dude that had no desire to be in charge of one of the major superpowers of the world. And he steps into a job that, one, he didn't like, and two, wasn't good at, and it goes pretty much exactly like you think. This is a period of time we'll both struggle to comprehend. This is a period of time when the nations around the globe are advancing industry-wise, technology-wise, rapidly. It's just one of those times in world history where where steamships are turning into oil ships and this factory is turning into this and this is turning into that and this gun is oh wow, we were just using muskets like like 20 years ago and now someone has a machine gun and we better buy a machine gun and it's that period of time. And nations, even the big ones, but the small ones too are struggling with the cost of this kind of advancement and how to advance while also keeping your traditions. Now, that's hard for us to understand because we've grown up in a relatively technological age. Look, when I was a kid, there were car phones in beepers. That was advanced technology, and I realize we've gone way past that now, but it's still a technological age. It was breaking Russia financially, trying to keep up with the Joneses on an industry level. And Russia in and of itself is a strange bird. You've heard me ask our foreign policy expert guests this several times. You'll hear me ask it again. Why is Russia, why are they ever having financial problems when they're that gigantic of a country? Shouldn't they be drowning in natural resources? And the answer is, well, it kind of plays into our story here. No, they're not really drowning in natural resources, especially not for a country that big. And it's not just it's not just how much you own. It's where it is. Location, location, location doesn't just apply when you're moving out of your first apartment and buying your first house. It applies to nations, too. The truth is so much of Russia, I mean, pull up a map. You don't, you don't do this very often, but pull up a map and look at Russia. It is really far north, and it is barren and icy and cold. It's not as if it's that that big of a nation and the whole thing is lush green fields. And my, no, 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 no. Yeah, a lot of it is big, but a lot of it is uninhabitable. uninhabitable. It's terrible. And... Because of that, 
Russia is extra protective of the parts of it that are habitable, that are profitable, and they're constantly trying to expand on that a little bit. It's part of the reason they're always pushing around Georgia or one of these smaller nations next to it. It's it's not it's not just a, an imperial dreams type thing. It's a okay. It is a little of that, but still, it's also. A, I mean, yeah, Georgia's not that big, and I mean that is that's the kind of land we actually want. It would be nice if we had that. Which plays into our story. There was something called Port Arthur. Just think Korea. Don't worry about that. Just think Korea. Why would Russia want this port? Russia wanted this port because it was one of the few in their sphere of influence that wasn't iced over for half the year. Shipping is then, just as it is now, extremely important to the wealth of a nation. Goods coming in, goods going out. You really, really, really need ships. You do. To have a nation that has a an ocean border versus a landlocked nation is uh, it's drastically different how much you can how much you can do economically it's just really important for the country and we are 12 years removed from the russian revolution where the communists take over the country so that should tell you how stable this regime is the people are unhappy to put it mildly there are assassination attempts. People are getting assassinated. There, are, You'd call them terrorist groups popping up. Those are put down brutally because, let's be honest, it's still Russia. And then more of them pop up, and it's that's Russia. But still one of, if not the most powerful nations in the world at this time. Which brings us to Japan. Oh, Japan. That's going to be a time. All right. Stay tuned. Steve Dace next hour. We'll continue with this story. Hang on. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. I hated, hated, hated trying to quit dipping. And it's because, I guess it was my fault, I didn't use the right things. I didn't do the right things. I tried to do it with nothing at first. I'll just quit. I I can do it. No, no, absolutely not. And I tried the nicotine patch. Honestly, it did nothing for me at all. I still wanted something in my lip. And that's why Jake's Mint Chew works so well. It's a replacement, a replacement you put in your lip, a replacement that can have the flavor you want it to have, 11 different long cut flavors, four different flavors of the CBD pouches. But here's the thing. It's nicotine free. It's tobacco free. It's even sugar free, but it gives you that replacement to get you off it. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE at checkout for 20% off.
Somebody tried to pass a golden retriever off as a lion, and shockingly, it didn't work. Dang it. That <laughs> is, it is the Jesse Kelly Show. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. You can also find me on Locals. Remember, especially with the trouble I got in last night, I will be banned very soon from Twitter and Instagram. You know what, Chris? Go ahead and pull that video of that father putting his son's officer pins on him in the Marine Corps. It was a tearjerker. I think it would even be good for radio. Don't worry. You'll, you'll see it. You'll know what I'm talking about, Chris. Just read my mind. Gosh. You know, in hindsight, we probably shouldn't do this in front of the million people that are listening. Maybe this is stuff we should do during the break, but I had to get a cup of coffee. It's fine. <laughs> All right. The Russo-Japanese War. World War Zero. I already kind of set up Russia as best I could at the time. Now let's go to one of my favorite subjects in the world, Japan. I make no bones about it. I am a fan of Japanese culture then and now. I think it's a cool culture. I always had, when I was a kid, I used to love that samurai stuff. But it just, look, I even think the, I think the architecture is cool. And then I visited Japan in the Marine Corps. We did some time in Okinawa, and I got to go up to Tokyo for a while and whatnot. What a cool place. And, and a country that size, that modern, that many people, and almost no violent crime. It's just a different place. So I'm a Japanese fan. I like the Japanese people. I think the culture is really cool. There are some problems, though. Some, some real problems. And this is an era where some of those problems are starting to sprout up for Japanese culture. It is the early 1900s. Longtime listeners of the show will know this basic story, but I realize we're picking up new affiliates every day, which is unbelievable. And there are a lot of people who've never heard this at all. So let's discuss Japan briefly. Mid-1800s, we discover Japan. Now, that's not what I mean. We knew Japan was there, but we pop into Japan and we see a people that look like it looks like we have traveled back in time when we land on the Japanese shores. We are talking technologically the least advanced, quote, modern society out there. They just for a few hundred years, Japan, I mean, Japan's insular now. And they're practically open compared to what they were back then. For a few hundred years, Japan just was like, you know, we don't need anybody here. Now, there was some trade. The people act like there wasn't any, but we don't really need any foreigners here. Oh, we're not going to leave, but you're not going to come. And we're not really interested in anything you're doing. We have our way of the samurai stuff. We have our shogun stuff. We have the emperor. We, we have things we like, and we don't really care about anyone else. And we pop in their shores, and other people do too, and see a people that they, they still all have swords. And this is obviously the era of firearms. And part of the reason I admire Japan so much is they could have done, when they got popped in on and discovered how backwards they were because they didn't know, they could have done what so many traditional proud people do and just say, I'm not changing Nothing wrong with my sword. Don't talk to me about these guns. What can a gun do that a sword can? And don't laugh at that. That's that's happened. That's killed people out there before militarily. 
Japan looked around and said, you know, all these white powers, and we're going to talk a lot about race today, as we always do, and I need to clarify something here. I realize that it can be offensive to people when I say things like Jewish producer Chris, when I talk about black people, Asian people, white people, Mexicans, uh, Guatemalans, when I talk about the differences in religions, I understand that can be really, really offensive to people. So I need to clarify something right now. I don't care if you're offended at all. I can't possibly explain to you how little that means to me. You need to buck up, get a thicker skin, We enjoy talking about these things, and we only move forward as a society by talking about these things and joking about these things. That's how I came up, and I ain't changing for anybody. Clear? Now, back to the story. Japan saw the white powers of the world, France, Britain, They saw them bouncing around. I mean, honestly, America, to a a lesser extent, they saw them bouncing around and colonizing everything, taking over everything in Japan. Proud as they were, didn't want to be colonized. They wanted to stay Japan. And the only way you're going to avoid that, this is a lesson for everybody in history. It's a lesson for us now. The only way to avoid being colonized is to become strong enough economically and militarily that you cannot be taken by force. The world has not changed. The history of the world is less technologically advanced people, weaker economic people being taken over and dominated by stronger economies. It is the history of the world and it will happen again, period. Again, uh, well, we shouldn't we shouldn't have done that to, to the Native Americans. What happened to the Native Americans in America is the same thing that happened to every single tribal people across the globe when they encountered a more technologically advanced society. They weren't strong enough to avoid getting crushed. And you know I'm the biggest Indian fan in the world. But that's just a fact. It happened all over Africa. It happened all over Europe. That's what Caesar did to the Gauls. So anyway. Japan decides that's not going to be us. They go into something that is called the Meiji Restoration. And there were, I don't want to act like all of Japan was on board with advancing technologically. They actually had to fight a civil war. I mean, straight out of that movie, The Last Last Samurai. You know what? I should do something on this civil war one time where the old school, like, samurai types with the swords gathered up and fought the guys who wanted to advance with guns and muskets and stuff like that. And, you know. Bravery only takes you so far when you're getting shot in the face. The samurai got killed. They, 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 they died. But Japan goes through a rapid economic and military advancement. And they do this in the smartest ways. Again, it's so, it's so impressive for a nation to do this, to just change. They go all around the world. They find who does everything the best. They send advisors there. They take advisors from them. They buy things from them. Oh, who's really good at mining? Oh, these guys. And I'm totally making this this country up, so don't don't take this by heart. Oh, uh, Russia's really good at mining. Let's send some advisors to Russia. Let's let's find out how they mine so we can mine really well. And then we'll tell Russia we'll buy some of their stuff to make it advantageous for them. And then Russia likes it. It becomes a partnership. They send stuff back. That's how it worked. They did it, and this is going to come into play in our story here. They did it with Britain when it came to a navy. If you want to build a navy, especially at this time, there's only one top dog in the world, and it was the Royal Navy. Japan goes to Britain. 
Those are some sweet ships. We would love to buy some of those from you. So that'd be good for your economy. We would also love to send some guys here, do some cross training. Would you mind teaching us how to sail? Well, they weren't sailing, but would you mind teaching us how to run a Navy? We'll buy some stuff, so on and so forth. And this was a partnership at the time, Britain and Japan. Now, when I say partnership, you need to know there was all kinds of racial animosity back then, just as there is now. It's just everyone was allowed to be more open about it. The Japanese people were terribly racist. The British people were terribly racist. The Russians were terribly racist. The Russians at one point in time, in fact, it's going to come into play in our story, referred to the Japanese people as monkeys. The Japanese people were racist against Chinese people. They were racist against white. Everyone was racist. Okay, again, everybody holds some prejudice, and it really it, it causes wars. It causes huge mistakes back then because you're not looking at things that actually matter. It's just the way it goes. All right, we're not finished. We're going to get to the Russo-Japanese War. And, oh, good. Our Olympic athletes can kneel for the anthem. Sweet. Hang on. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Uh, so I, I became eligible on Monday. I haven't had it yet, but I am, I am planning on doing it this week. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to do it on camera. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if you guys want a gun show, maybe we could do it, but probably better off. <laughs> That's heavy D. Gosh, that kills me. The dude's pretty good, man. The dude is pretty good. It is J the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. We are, we are opening on the Russo-Japanese War, World War Zero, as it's known here, before we get to all the other disastrous news. Chris, did you see this? John Durham... Issuing subpoenas and interviewing witnesses. I forgot the guy was still alive. I, I, this is no joke. I'm not even kidding. I'm not making this up. I, I do this for a living. It's three, three hours of radio a day and an hour of TV every day. I legitimately thought John Durham existed. Or, or I forgot he existed for about a two or three month stretch there. We Bill Barr? Who's that? Who's B B Bill Barr? Did he hold some position of significance? I don't know. I, 
Whoever he is, he never did anything. I, not that I'd know anything about that. Oh, that was the guy who gave, I know who that is. That was the guy who gave snappy little speeches in front of the congressional committees. Oh, okay. He wouldn't, he wasn't an, he wasn't an attorney general or anything, right? If he did, if he was, I, I didn't see it. Sorry. Japan is on the rise technologically, militarily. And because they're on the rise, we start to look around and decide, well, I mean, okay, we've grown enough that we, we're not going to be colonized. The, 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 even if they can't take Britain, which they probably couldn't at this point in time, Britain's not going to look at Japan and think, oh, let's go push them around and take their stuff. But power is a funny thing. Power is rarely something that remains dormant. When you, when you acquire a skill set, you want to use said skill set. It's just, it's the way it goes. You ever known a, uh, a, a super fitness dude or a super fitness woman? I, I'm sure you do. Somebody who's just really into fitness. Do they wear a lot of clothing? No, they don't. They don't, it's not that they're, it's not that they're half naked at all times because they're, you know, I don't know, trampy or something like that. They may be, I don't know, but it's something they've worked hard for. They look good without clothes on, so they don't wear clothes. At least they wear the bare minimum, period. You see the dude? Oh, sorry. It's, did the sleeves fall off my shirt? My bad. Hang on. Look at my calves. And the same thing with the, with the dimes too. And look, Hey, nobody's complaining, but. Oh, wow, look, yoga pants and a tank top. Shocking. It's just, oh, those shorts aren't, those shorts are practically underwear. Apparently she does squats. That's, it's human nature. When you have a skill set you've acquired, you want to use it. Japan looks around and says to itself, wow, we got modern real fast. We're doing real well here. Hmm. Korea doesn't look like they could put up much of a fight. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but Japan starts to really take over Korea as a sphere of influence. And everyone talks about the evil colonial powers. I will tell you, if you do any reading at all, maybe I'll do a show on it one time about the Japanese occupation of Korea. It's more brutal than anything you've ever read before. It's really, really bad. Really, they, they Again, it was very racist. They thought they were simply a superior race to the Koreans and treated them. I mean, second-class citizens is not even, does not even count. It, it was lower than that. So the situation by 1904 was this. In northern China, a place called Manchuria, Russia had a railway through there. Russia was using this area to help their own economy. China is in tatters right now. It's run by warlords. It's not unified. So the nations around that area are starting to pick at China a little bit. Oh, I kind of like this. You can't stop me. Ooh, I think I'll take this as well. Russia does this with this area. Japan, they like Korea. So here's the deal. Japan... They thought they should be able to negotiate with the Russians. Okay, you can have this and I'll have that. And there was this port called Port Arthur. It was a big part of it. And Japan said to Russia, okay, well, here's the deal. Port Arthur. I know you like it. I know you want one of these ports that doesn't freeze over in the winter because your country's an icy dump. You take Port Arthur. It can be all yours. 
but you let us have Korea. We'll go ahead and have Korea for ourselves. Russia, honestly, a lot of this came to do with, came from a racial disrespect area. Russia, shockingly arrogant, said, no, I think I want Korea and the port. And Japan's saying back to them, excuse me? Do Do you know who you're talking to? And Russia says, yeah, I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to an Asian power. An Asian power has, up to this point, never taken on a white power and succeeded. I mean, in in this relatively modern era, I view you as lesser people. Like I said, they called them monkeys, and I'll take whatever I want, and you'll shut up because you're Japan and we're the Great Russia. And Japan, you can almost you can almost see the whole country say, "Okay, all right, apparently we're going to do this now." These are not a people who are just going to lay down and accept that. And Japan does to Russia, frankly, exactly what they did to us in Pearl Harbor. A dirty move? Well, dirty's in the eye of the beholder. Japan breaks off negotiations, says, okay, right, we're leaving. And then without declaring war, Japan sends the Navy into Port Arthur, where the Russian Navy is, The Russian Navy is parked just outside of the port in the middle of the night because they're not at war and there's not really a threat of war. They're parked out there in the middle of the night. They're not really watching as you always should be. And the freaking lights are on. Do you know what a ship looks like in the ocean in the middle of the night with the lights on? It's a gigantic shoot a torpedo into me sign. And that's exactly what the Japanese did. Two days before declaring war, they show up and start blasting away at the Russian Navy with torpedoes. The Russians freak out. They race their port back into the harbor, at which point Japan says, okay, that works too, and they start shelling the ships inside of the harbor, and they haven't even declared war yet. Two days of this, and finally Japan declares war. Well, Russia... They stand up and say, whoa, hey, world, did anyone see what they just did? They just attacked us without declaring war. At which point the global power at the time, the number one, Britain, steps in and says, remember, they were friends with Japan. They'd been working together. Britain steps in and says, oh, they're fine. Don't whine about it, Russia. It's no big deal. So nobody steps in, and Japan now knows they have a free reign, and it's on. The war itself was pretty fast. Lasted only about a year. The Russian Navy gets blasted out of the harbor. Russia is now panicking. They have another Navy in the Baltic, which if you want to look at a map for Korea versus the Baltic, it took some time for the Russian Navy to get there. The Russian Navy packs up from the Baltic and races over towards this area so they can fight off the Japanese Navy. Surely that first battle was a fluke. On the way, Russia almost gets itself into war with Britain because they shoot and sink a British civilian vessel out of nowhere. And I've read both things on it. I don't know which one to believe. I did want to tell you both of them. One of them said the guy mistook it for a Japanese vessel. The other one said the guy knew it was a British vessel, but he was mad at Britain for not stepping in and for helping Japan, and he just sunk it out of spite. 
but he almost causes a war with the most powerful country in the world. Either way, that Russian Navy keeps on churning over there. It's time to go teach these dirty Japanese some lessons, and they show up and promptly get pounded again. Sunk. Japanese Navy wipes out the Russians. We're almost done. I'll wrap this up in a second. And the dog that tried to be a lion. Talk Radio Revolution, Jesse Kelly. You know the Eden Pure Thunderstorm uses sonic technology? It produces a super oxygen that purifies your air the same way nature does after a thunderstorm. That's why they call it the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. And I want to emphasize this point. I have had air purifiers forever. I always do because my allergies stink. They're always big and loud. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm is small, it's not loud, and I never have to replace a filter. And it doesn't cover up odors. It eliminates them. It kills and prevents the spreading of mold, fungus, and mildew anywhere in your home. Even if you keep a clean home, and I'm sure you probably do, you will be shocked how much purer it smells after your Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the code word JESSE at checkout. That'll get you 10 bucks off. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. Chris, play Heavy D again. I have to have it. I have to have it. Uh, so I, I became eligible on Monday. I haven't had it yet, but I am I am planning on doing it this week. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to do it on camera. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if you guys want a gun show, maybe we could do it, but probably <laughs> He, the, the more he goes full meathead, the more I appreciate him. What, Chris? That's That's not nice saying it's relatable for me. That's not nice at all. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. China's military preparing for us? Oh, gosh, that hurts. All right, let's finish World War Zero. The Chinese Navy, or the Japanese Navy beat up the Russian Navy twice. And then they went to war with the Russians on land. And this is really the first... This is the first window we had, anybody had, into how terrible World War I was going to be because now both sides have machine guns. But remember what we've talked about a thousand times. on That movie, Man on Fire, the line that I blatantly stole from that movie because it's so true. There's no such thing as tough. There's trained and there's untrained. You look up to our super ninja soldiers as the best in the world, and they are. Like the Green Beret types, Delta Force types, SEALs, all those guys, they're the best in the world. Why are they? Well, yes, there's an internal toughness in those men, but they train more and better than everyone else because we have the money. Oh, you'd like to go training again today? Sure. Here's another 20,000 rounds. Go. Well, 
the Russian economy that was struggling? Oh, they had a lot of troops. Their weapons weren't even that bad. They didn't train that often. The Russians couldn't shoot worth a darn. The Japanese trained all the time. The Japanese were out there driving tacks. The Russians were not. And you just can't, you can't quantify that. When, I mean, I'll make it as easy as possible. When a hundred men are facing off against another hundred men and all of them have rifles. And in the first minute, the first army loses 20 guys and the other army loses five. Well, then you have 80 men going up against 95 men. And then if that happens again in the second minute, now you have 60 men going up against 90 men. And do you see what a difference that can make quickly on a grand scale? Half the reason you read these stories, you read that great story, uh, The Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell. Most people have read the book or seen the movie, or at least you know the story vaguely. Four Navy SEALs, granted three of them died, one of them lived, but four Navy SEALs go up against like 150 Afghan fighters, tough fighters in the mountains, and they killed so many of those Afghans. And it's just, it doesn't seem possible. The training is what makes it possible. You're a Navy SEAL with a 30-round magazine. 20 guys are going to die when, you un- when you're done unloading that 30-round magazine. You're in the Afghanistan mountains. You don't have that kind of training. You don't have the time. You don't have the money. That 45-round mag in the AK, it's going to be gone, and you're lucky if you hit a single shot. It just is the difference. There's a big battle called the Battle of the Yalu River. Not yellow. It's Yalu, Y-A-L-U. Japan wins. And then Japan wins. And then Japan wins. And soon this whole daggone thing is over. And why do they call this thing World War Zero? Well, here's why. When the thing was over, they signed something called the Treaty of Portsmouth. Japan had won. No, no question Japan had won. But Japan had spent, spent all their money. They'd spent all their money fighting the war. Japan signs a treaty, and demands a boatload of money from Russia, which was the norm, is the norm. You're the loser. You got to pay up. It gets expensive to lose wars. Teddy Roosevelt, the American president, steps in on behalf of Russia and saves them the money. Tells Russia, no, 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 it's okay. Let me renegotiate this thing. So, yeah, Japan had Korea after this. Japan stomped into Manchuria after this, and but also Japan had a massive axe to grind with the West after this, one they would never forget about. The Japanese people were so angry about this treaty where they got screwed after beating the crap out of Russia that they were rioting. There were deadly riots in the streets of Japan. That's how mad they were about it. And honestly, justifiably so. They were done wrong. These were not a people who were just going to let that go. They thought the white Western powers looked down on them, treated them like dirt, and they weren't necessarily wrong. Only this Japan wasn't pushover swords and samurai stuff, Japan. This Japan was ready to rumble, and the world would find that out a couple world wars later. Why is it called World War Zero? 
because it virtually finished Russia. The czar was now a paper tiger out there and everybody knew it, which led to so much of World War I and the Russian Revolution he couldn't hold off. We're not done yet. Stimulus checks forever? Hang on. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Apparently, Jewish producer Chris is becoming even more anti-communist than I am. He is over here making the case during the break that Japan should have just kept going, not signed the treaty, and just invaded Russia and just killed them all. And he's all, well, then we wouldn't have had the communist revolution. Chris, that also involves the murder of, like, millions of people. Millions of people, Chris. One. Two, Japan may be able to beat Russia in Korea you're not invading Russia. You're not going to invade Russia. They could do well, but you're you're not going to invade Russia. Half the problem Russia had during the Russo-Japanese War was getting troops to the front. Because Russia is so big, it takes forever to get people places. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. It's going to be an awesome day. We have a John Durham sighting. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe he's alive. He's alive. I had I had called the FBI and put out a missing persons report on him, but it turns out he's still in existence. We'll tell you what he's doing. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. 
Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually my drink was give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam! I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.